I, uh, I'm going to use tonight some illustrations that I have used many times. You've read them in my books. You've heard me give them. But I'm going to put them in a certain order tonight. I'll not elaborate as I sometimes do on any of them. But I, I want to show you tonight a certain progression of them. And I'll not spend a great deal of time on them. So we get to them after a while. I'm aware of the fact that many of you have heard these stories of my life many times. But I think that you will see tonight the reason I'm going to recount, at least in, in brevity, some of these things that have happened to me. They, they worship the Nile River. And I want everybody now, listen carefully. They worship the Nile River. They thought that the Nile River and the sun were the two sources of life. They would bring their babies to the Nile River, their, their choicest, most beautiful babies. And there they would take them and throw their babies in the mouths of hungry crocodiles in the Nile River in an effort to appease the Nile River, which was one of their principal gods. They had many deities. They worshipped the beetle. They worshipped the frog as the god of the resurrection. They worshipped the sun god. They had a god called the evening sun god. They had a god... (laughs) who was called the sex god. They had another god named Ammon who was called the nature god. They would, in the name of religion and in the name of worship, commit sex acts in a house so-called of worship and uh, (laughs) in the name of religion. Each district of the country had its own god. <laughs> they worshipped the sacred cow. In fact, they had a succession of sacred cows, like in the Catholic religion there's a papal succession. Or in the, in the country, there's a succession of kings. The wicked practice of nudity prevailed. The music the country had was much like our rock music. It was probably (laughs) the most sensuous civilization in history. It was in this environment that Joseph lived. He had no Christian school. He had no fundamental church. He had no Christian friends. Alone in Egypt. Forsaken by his brothers, sold into slavery, left to die, and then taken to Egypt. He was there for years. It was in this environment that Joseph said day after day after day to Potiphar's wife, No, I can't do it. It was in this environment when Joseph left his coat 
his garment in her hand and fled. I'm saying that Joseph, without any Christian fellowship, without any Christian school to keep him right, it's Joseph stood for right and against wrong. The city had 100 gates of bronze. It was a civilization of wild people. They worshipped heathen gods, and <clears throat> you either worship their heathen gods with them or else. They had a network of pagan universities that spread all kinds of <laughs> sensuality, <laughs> false teaching, and heathenism and paganism and idolatry across the kingdom. Those who didn't participate were fed to hungry lions and lion's dens or placed in a furnace of fire. It was this environment that Daniel faced. He had no Christian school. He had no Christian college. He had no fundamental church. <laughs> he had no, no great fellowship of believers, he was alone with just maybe a handful that were scattered across the kingdom. But they said to Daniel, you can't pray with your window open anymore, facing toward Jerusalem. You can't do that. If you do, we're going to put you in the lion's den. And Daniel said, I've always done it. I'll do it on and on. I'll keep on doing it. Now, I want you to notice this. Daniel had no Christian school with which to get his strength. Daniel went to a pagan, heathen university, the University of the Chaldeans, a godless, heathen, pagan school. But Daniel said, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do it. I mean, if I'm the only one that doesn't drink, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to eat the king's meat. I'm not going to eat that dirty food. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do what's right. And I don't care what they say. And Daniel didn't have the influence of a wonderful church like this, or a Christian school, or a college. He didn't have that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they built this uh, um, big uh, uh, image in Dura, and they said, bow down and worship it. And they said, we're not going to do it. No way. And they said, you'll be put in a fire furnace. They said, just turn the thing on. We're not going to do it. And they got, and, and they said, well, well you, you, you'll be burned to death. And they said, our God will deliver us. But if our God does not deliver us, we're still not going to bow down and worship that image in the plains of Dura. Now they had no school to go to. They had no chapel every day. They had no brother Hiles to skin them and preach to them and warn them about sin. They had nobody to counsel with them and tell them, this is what you ought to do. They had no, no, a Bible 131 and Bible 132 and 231 and 230. They had no systematic theology and they had no degrees of divinity. They had no Christian influence at all. But they said, okay, we're not going to bow. We're going to stand. <laughs> they stood alone. They were religious people. They had all kinds of sensuous right. The leaders of the land would have a big banquet. And they'd have some woman come and strip naked and exhibit herself, herself to the leaders of the land. They had sex parties in the name 
of religion, <laughs> drunken parties to boast of their world power. It was at one of these awful parties where King, the king of Persia said, I want my wife to come in. I want to show her beauty. I want to strip off her clothes and show her beauty. And she said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. It's for you and for you alone, and I'm not going to do it. And by the way, if, you're, if your husband tells you to get drunk, you're not supposed to get drunk. Some of these little guys say, the house says you ought to obey your husband. Not if he says, listen, not if he says go out and get drunk, you're not supposed to do it. No way, no way. None. Anyway, she, she said, and by the way, Vashti had no Christian school. And Vashti had no fundamental church to attend. And Vashti did not take the sword of the Lord. And Brother Howells' book on the Holy Spirit was sold out. And she had no, no, um, Howells Anderson College. She had no Hammond Baptist High School. She had no influence except something beating in her breast that said, I ought to do right. I don't care who says I do wrong. I ought to do right. You know, somehow we have the idea that good environment is to make us live right. And that isn't right. Brother, you're supposed to live right, good environment, or bad environment. You're not supposed to drink. Hey, kids, hey, listen to me while I'm preaching. i got something to tell you. You sit still and hear me. It's time the young folks this church learn. We have church, you're supposed to listen. This is not love-making time. It's not joke-telling time. It's not note-writing time. It's preaching time. Sit up and hear me, young people. Sometimes I want to leave the pulpit and run back and grab you the neck and shake you and say, Shut up there, you punk! Hear what I've got to say. Then I get up here and plead my soul out, and you think it's a party time. Not a party time. It's preaching time. It's life-changing time. It's transforming time. It's get-right-with-God time. You're supposed to do right. I don't care where you are. And the Christian school is not, and good environment is not to place you in a place so you can do right. Now, you hear me carefully. Good environment, a Christian college, a Christian high school, a Christian junior high school, a Christian grade school, is not a place so we can help you to do right. It is a place to make it more tolerable for you as you live right. And brother, if you go to Hammond High School down here on on Calumet uh, Street, or if you go to University of Chicago, or if you go to Notre Dame, or if you go to Valparaiso, or if you go to Purdue Extension, or if you go to University of Indiana, you're supposed to do right. I don't care if anybody is doing right. You're supposed to do right. You're supposed to live right regardless of the environment. You would think nowadays, you would think, that wrong environment and bad environment gives a person a license to sin. But not so. You know, lately I've heard a rash of statements in my office along this line. I've had folks in my office, I've had them say, Preacher, I can't go home for the holidays. I'm a college student. I can't live right when I'm home. Don't you tell me that anymore. Don't you tell me that. 
I can't live right when I'm home. My dad is not a Christian, and my mama is unsaved. And I, I give the wrong crowd. Listen, you're not supposed to get with the wrong crowd. I don't care where you are, but you can live right. You go home. I don't care what your daddy is. I don't care what your mama is. You can live right. And God Almighty expects you to live right. I don't care if the whole world is breaking, you, 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 you turn it down. I don't care if a whole carload is naked and fat and you slap the fire of the fella puts his dirty paws on your body. I don't care if a whole crowd smoking pot, you get out of the car and run as fast as you can. I mean, their idea. I'm not, we're not trying to train a bunch of Christians here that have got to be singing Amazing Grace with a bunch of other Christians for the right. Listen, Daniel did right by himself in a foreign country, in a heathen university, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did right by themselves in a foreign country, in a heathen university, and Joseph said in the wickedest kingdom on the face of the earth, I'm not going to do wrong, and Vashti said, I'm not going to go mix bathing. I'm not going to put, put on my, my, take off my shoulder, my, my clothes, and show my thighs. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do right. Young people say. Men say to me, you can't be in business and be a good Christian. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard of. Brother, you can do right anywhere. Oh, you say, preach, you understand. <laughs> I'm in the Navy. Boy, you just can't live right in the Navy. You got any guts you can. I don't think you ought to use the word guts when you preach, then don't ever do it. Sure you can. Sure you can. I was the United States. I'm not kidding, fellas. I was the United States paratrooper. <clears throat> I was with the vulgarest men on the face of God's earth. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to smoke cigarettes. Not one time in all the months and years I was in the paratroopers did a cigarette get inside these lips. And not one time did a, did a bottle of beer touch these lips. And not one time did a curse word come from these lips. And I've had them get me down on the floor of the barracks. And I've had the fellows gather around me and open my, my mouth and try to pour a Coke bottle full of whiskey down, and wine down my mouth. But not one drop got in. Why? Because my jaw muscles are the strongest muscles i got. That's why. I'll tell you something else. You can live right in the Navy, and you can live... Listen, you know, young people, when we, when we adults were kids, we didn't have Christian school. We didn't have them. Well, there wasn't one single fundamental Baptist school in America when we were kids. We went to heathen schools. Boy, it sure is nice, isn't it, <laughs> to have an excuse... Well, a young lady said to me this week, I've got to go somewhere else to school. I can't even live a Christian life in Hammond Baptist High School. That's the silliest bunch of foolhardy garbage I've ever heard in my life. What are you going to do when you get out yonder and face real battles someday? Sure, you can be a good businessman and be a Christian. Sure, you can be honest and be in business. And if you can't be honest and be in business, get out of business. Get your shovel, shovel snow. Get your lawnmower and mow yards. But it's time somebody rang the bell around here and said to our people, you're supposed to live right even if you don't have the opportunity to have good fellowship all the time. 
And the fact that you go to a school somewhere where everybody doesn't live right, that doesn't mean you have no, that you have a, a license to sin. In God's name, whatever happened, old-fashioned Daniels and Chadrachs and Meshach and Abednego, whatever happened to Christian people that were, that were burned at the stake, whatever happened to Christian people who were fed to the lions and the lions in, in, in the Colosseum, whatever happened, old-fashioned Christian folks whose heads were severed by the, by the sword of the guillotine, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross, lift high your royal banner. It must not suffer loss. Soldiers of Calvary, you can walk clean and be pure and live right. The devil's lie. Boy, I tell you what. If you can't live for God in Hammond Baptist High School, <laughs> you can't live for God, in, and I, and, and I, but it's not perfect. And, and there's some, there, there's some kids in Helen Baptist High School that you shouldn't associate with intimately. But you know what it is? <laughs> You're afraid to look them in the face and say, I'm not going to go with you. You're afraid. You haven't got the courage. You haven't got the courage to say, I'm not. You're afraid. Why? they got some kind of hold on you, and you haven't got enough conviction and Christianity to say, I will not do wrong. If hell freezes over, I'll not do wrong. Whatever happened to the Hebrew children? Whatever happened to people who could say to the king, build a fire, buddy? I'd rather do right and die in the fire furnace than live and do wrong. You know what i got to do? i got to shave myself every morning. And I don't want to shave a yellow coward. I hate this. <laughs> I hate to think that, that I had to be a preacher to stay right. I hate to think that if, if I had to go out and work the steel mill, and let me say this too. I don't care where you work. If you're right with God, you can live right in, in the face of opposition. It would do some of us good to have to. Whatever happened to Christians that, that, that lived in the catacomb and walked among graves and the corpses of martyred Christians? Whatever happened to the crowd of people that came down Corso Street in Ephesus? And came to the great Colosseum there, or stadium there. And they let the lions loose and they huddled themselves in a little circle there. Or in Rome, the same thing in the great Colosseum. And they'd sing a song about God while the lions would come. And on to eternity they'd go. Why? Because they said, we are not going to let the heathen world change us. Boy, I want to tell you something. Listen, hear me. Every Hammond Baptist high school student, you hear me tonight. You haven't gotten it right to use that little pitting excuse. You can't be a good Christian after high school. You can't. I don't care if everybody, I don't care what, you, you don't have to. Whatever happened to Vashti, who said, I'll not expose my body to the lustful view of heathen men. Whatever happened to Joseph's, who said no in the, king, in the, in the king's palace. Whatever happened to Moses, who grew up in the king's palace in Egypt. Yet he stood for what's right. Whatever happened to John the Baptist that said, if you chop my head off and put it in the platter, go ahead. But I'll guarantee you one thing, I'm going to tell it like it is. I don't care what you say. Whatever happened to men on the job who used to carry their Bibles. I want to say every single Christian man in this room tonight ought to have your Bible with you at work every day visible. Visible. 
I mean, if you're a deacon in First Baptist Church Hammond and don't carry your Bible to work, you ought to get right with God. Every single child of God in this room ought to put it right there and say, There it is! I love it! I believe it! I'm not ashamed of it! Think about old Wells Walker, vice president of this bank over here downtown, Hoosier State Bank, for years. I go to his office to do some business with him, and brother there on the desk in the Hoosier State Bank sat that big old Bible right there where everybody could see it. Men came in to borrow money, the millions, <laughs> businessmen, financing great businesses, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and there sat the Bible. Why? Well, bless God, I'm a Christian. And this Bible tells me the message of God Almighty, <laughs> and I want to carry it and sling it around. I said, I know somebody that does that. He's a fanatic. Well, it wouldn't hurt you to be one either. Boy, the nuts get all the criticism. And I, I grant you, we got some nuts in the house. Now. More nuts per orchard than any place in America. We got some screwballs. I'm a little tired. You folks that won't even tote your Bible down the street, calling to my nut because he has 14 or down walking down the street. Now, I had to be juggling Bibles with 14 of them and not be, and be afraid to carry a testament. I'm a little tired of you folks that, that uh, <laughs> you, you uh, criticize the guy that preaches on the street corner. He's cross-eyed, hair's messed up, coat don't fit, and preaches on the street corner. He's going to get born again he's going to go to hell. Don't you criticize him till you're preaching on the next corner. Whatever happened to folks standing up for Jesus? Whatever happened to folks saying, I'm a child of God and I thank God I am? Whatever happened to folks who said, I don't care where I am, I don't care what the opposition is, I want to stand, live, and if needs be, die, because I'm willing to love my Savior and let it be known. You say, I know some out there, I call them hackers. In the first place, you, you better not ever let me hear you say that. You call one Hiles Anderson student a hacker in my presence, or I hear about it, and you've got more than you can say grace over. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the president of the corporation. Here. Sure, we got some screwballs and nuts. <laughs> sure. We tried to straighten them up. But how do they have fellows got wire, fire, no fire? <laughs> Whatever happened to. <laughs> Young ladies who wore their modesty with pride. Whatever happened to young people? <laughs> like that crowd of young folks we had when we didn't have a Christian school and right down here at Hammond Tech. They had a big concert, a musical program. <laughs> have it on a Wednesday night. A bunch of our kids came and said, Preacher, our teacher says we'll fail unless we participate in that music concert on Wednesday night. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, I, and I said, okay, you tell your teacher you won't fail either. And the teacher called me up and said, Reverend, <laughs> and somebody called me, Reverend, I know they're backslidden right away. She said, Reverend, <laughs> she said, of the people on the program, she said five or seven, one or the other, five or seven. <laughs> she said, she said of, of, okay, of the, I think she said of the seven <laughs> soloists, Three are from First Baptist Church. Of the two pianists, two are from First Baptist Church. She said, we can't have the program without your kids. They've got to be here. And I said, they haven't got to be there. 
But she said this program has been planned for six months. I said our prayer meeting has been planned for 75 years. She said we're expecting 500 people. I said we're expecting 800 this years ago. People. And I trotted down there. And she told me in her presence, in the presence of the boy down there, that they called himself the principal. She said, we'll, uh, your children will get an F in music. And I said, they won't get an F in music until every Jewish kid here gets an F for not being here during Hanukkah. And I said, I'll go all the way to the Supreme Court and to those nine men up there. I'm sorry, the nine men then. And you got five men, one woman, and three of something. I said, those nine men say, if they get there, and the principal jumped up and he said, well, he said, uh, he said uh, uh, we haven't got the money and the time to go to the Supreme Court. And I said, I've got the time and I'll raise the money. And they changed the time of the meeting. It wasn't on Wednesday night. Why? Because we had some young people who had the courage to stand, and they stood at Hammond Tech. You can't even stand up at Hammond Baptist. Boy, you're a hot, not, hot shot, aren't you? Boy, you're going to go down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, aren't you? I mean, you're going to get be a real rewarded someday. You can't even stand up at, on a football team and say, I'm a child of God. And if there's 25 fellows on a football team, I'll be 25 Bibles in the locker. I'm a little tired of cussing football players and cussing basketball players. Get off a team. Get off a team. You haven't got the guts to stand up and talk about Jesus and say, I love Him. You haven't got the right to represent a school that was built on a church that was built on the blood of Calvary. You haven't got the right to represent it. I'd rather be zero coach. I'd rather be zero and 28 in basketball season and have Christians on the court than to be 24 and zero. I'm declaring war. Whatever happened, young people like in Garland, Texas. We had a fellow named Carmen Hartsfield. Was center on the football team and catcher on the baseball. This is a heathen school now. They made a mistake and elected him president of the senior class. And made Eddie Oates, another one of our boys, <laughs> uh, treasure. And they had their annual meeting to plan the sweetheart dance. And they had one hour to plan it, and that's all. <laughs> Carmen testified about Jesus for 30 minutes. And Eddie testified about Jesus for other 30 minutes. And they called off the sweetheart dance. I went to graduation. Exercises. I don't know why they call them exercises. Graduation calisthenics. Now, lady, won't you hear him in service right now? Look at me. You looked at him long enough. He's not preaching tonight. I expect you to hear me. Every word I say. I went to graduation calisthenics. And they called off a bunch of drinking hoods names, and they clapped and cheered. And Carmen Hartsfield, who was elected president of the senior class, put a cause. He stood. Nobody cheered. Nobody. I was in a gymnasium, and I was sitting up in the bleachers. Brother, they called off Carmen Hartsfield's name. I had a spell. I just jumped up and said, Hey! Woo! Hey! And so did the angels. What happened to kids like that? I can't be a good Christian at Hammond Baptist High School. We haven't had the dances lately. 
We haven't had any dope parties lately. Some of our dopes have gone to them, but they're not with us anymore. We haven't had any, uh, any <clears throat> mixed bathing parties lately. Some of our heathen kids, when they graduate, I mean, as soon as they can get to the beach, they go out there and strip off half naked and show their half of their bosoms and, and their thighs to wicked men because they haven't got what it takes. But I want to tell you something. If you can't live for God in a Christian school, pray tell me what kind of a child of God are you in a house? Boy, if a football team laughs at you, you just look at them and say, I happen to be a Christian. You guys can like it or not. Whatever happened to teenagers like Mike Green? By the way, Carmen Hartsfield, I mentioned a while ago, has for years pastored a good church in Baltimore, Maryland. Whatever happened to guys like Mike Green, who's pastor up here in Michigan now, <laughs> has been for years. When Mike was a senior in Garland High School, about 27 years ago, he was the, had the lead part in the senior play. The play was on Friday night, and that morning, <laughs> that morning, Mike Green found <laughs> that, that the, the, uh, the, the proceeds of the senior play were going to go to, to pay for a dance. And Mike called me on the phone and said, Preacher, can I see you? And I drove up to Garland High School and sat out in front, and Mike said, Preacher, what can I do? And I said, you ought not to be in the play. And Mike walked in there and told them, this female drama teacher, he, he had the lead part, play was at night. This is about them o'clock in the morning. He said, I'm not going to be in the play. She had quadruplets. I go to churches to preach in Bible conferences where the basketball team of the local Christian high school has a game, and they go ahead and take the basketball team and the cheerleaders to the ball game while there's a Bible conference going on at the church house. It's time somebody did some house cleaning in our Christian institutions. Mike Green walked in and told her, I can't be in the play tonight. What do you mean you can't be in the play tonight? He said, my preacher's out in the car. Want to talk to him? I just love to talk to people like that. <laughs> what did they do? <clears throat> Called off the dance you're going to have. You know why? Because a Christian young man had the courage to stand up for what was right and wrong. Whatever happened to little Pam good pastors like we have in our church here? Now Pam Moffat. She wasn't allowed to go to Hammond Baptist School. She had to go to Hammond Tech up here. I think it was Hammond Tech, wasn't it? Hammond Tech <laughs> took her Bible and carried it with her down the hallway, dressed modestly. <laughs> Only one, I guess, in most, most of the class that wore skirts, but she did. They called her the Jesus girl. Came time for her to graduate. She was elected homecoming queen at the big homecoming game. They put her up, gave her a crown there, <laughs> and a Hammond Tech band played. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now, why? Because one little old girl, weighed about 95 pounds, has got more intestinal fortitude than most of you guys that butt the line with a football under your arm. I'd be ashamed of my, I'd be ashamed of myself. I would. Whatever happened, one day, I'm sitting right here. This chair, but it's over there. <coughs> Wall here. <coughs> I got a note in the offering plate. One of our men, he said, Pastor, you're always talking about what's wrong with the schools. Why don't you start a school of our own? 
And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And I prayed and waited for the right time. One day, Brother Charlie Hand came by and put a, a newspaper, a piece of paper from the classified section, and it said, <coughs> School for sale. Wallace School for sale. Out in the Calumet Township. I went out, took Dave one night. He was just a kid. <coughs> went out, drove around it. <coughs> Windows knocked out. Vandalism had almost destroyed the place. We... They said, we're going to have a sealed bids at the school board, the Calumet Township School Board. And I went one dark night out there and sat that school board with a sealed bid of $35,000. To my delight and surprise, nobody else gave a bid, and the, the, the building was sold to us for $35,000. And I stood about where Miss Colston is sitting tonight, and the pulpit was there, <coughs> the building was this big. And we raised one day $69,000 in cash to start that school. And we worked our fool heads off to get that school up out there. <laughs> we sacrificed. And then, then we had to have more, bigger facilities. We went out here to a, to a wilderness in Sherryville and bought 26 acres or more. No wilderness. No sewer lines. No water lines. No telephone lines. No electric lines. No telephone posts. No electric poles. No streets. We built us a little city out there. And our people placed $2 million. Life savings were given. Little widows <laughs> laid their life savings. And I want to tell you something. I want, I want everybody in this room that goes to any of our schools to hear me. You haven't got any right to put your carcass in those schools and talk about how much you like rock music. That's a dirty, crooked thing. You have no right. Why? Because we sacrifice to put those schools there. You haven't got any right. Not any right. Sometimes some of you kids got enough religion to turn that rock stuff off, not talk about it, and spit every time you hear it mentioned. It's time we learn more about John the Baptist than about Beatles. You say, when are you going to quit preaching like I doubt if I ever will. I heard about a campus out here near Crown Point. Went out and saw the prettiest college campus I ever saw in my life. Decided to try to buy it. <laughs> Went out there, talked to one of these ladies out there who had a beard and said, I want to buy it. <laughs> it said, We'll, if we ever sell it, it's not for sale, but if we ever sell it, the last folks we'll sell it to will be the Baptists. I said, you're right. You're right. Last folks you'll sell it to will be the Baptists because God's given it to us. That building out there was dedicated the same day I became pastor of this church. God had it for me all that time. I just didn't go out and claim it. I was too busy. Take some tranquilizer. <laughs> we prayed. <laughs> we we leased it. We promised two and a half million dollars for it. I held in my hands one day over 100 ladies' wedding bands given to be sold, to be placed, to pay for the college. And last week I heard that one of those dormitory rooms was built by our sacrifice. Some punk Hammond our Howells Anderson College students been having their earphones out there playing Satan's music. I'll bind you one thing. 
in case you don't know it now, you better start packing. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Not going to do it. Those buildings weren't built out there for a bunch of punks to come in here and start playing the devil's music. It's not going to happen unless it's over my body laying right there in the altar. Not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Well, you say, Brother Howes, I'm a, I'm a leader in this church, and I've got my right to say what I want to say, but you don't have a pulpit to say it behind, and, Brother, I'm not going to pastor a church or a school. I'm not going to do it. We're a rock music's accepted thing. And every student, every Hammond, every, every Howes, Henderson College student in this room, you owe it to the people, those hundred ladies that gave those wedding bands, and the people that gave their life saving, put that college out there. You owe it to them and to God and to the future students of Howes Anderson College. You owe it to all of them and to all of us to turn anybody in that listens to rock music under the sound of your ears. I'm not going to be a think. Well, aren't you proud of that? You'll go down with Elijah and John the Baptist, one of the great Christians of history. You know why? There's a First Baptist Church of Hammond. Because 24 years ago, pardon me, I mean why? <laughs> there is what we have here today. Because 24 years ago, some of us in this room took our stand. And people in this room stood behind this program of this church at the expense of breaking up their own families. And some of the dear people in this room <laughs> lost <laughs> friends of a lifetime. You don't lose friends, but lost what they thought were friends of a lifetime and took their stand. And somebody tried to set <laughs> our house on fire. As you know, our, our, <laughs> our garage is connected to the house. There are curtains in the garage. Somebody took the garbage and moved it over at the bottom of the curtain and set the garbage on fire, and the curtain caught on fire. And if the Holy Spirit hadn't waked me up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and it would have all been burned to death. The next night and the next night for seven straight nights, <coughs> I sat beside David's bed. He was five years old. <coughs> Becky was seven. Linda was, uh, was um, uh, two. And for seven straight nights, I did not sleep one wink. I sat beside their bed because they're afraid to go to sleep unless Daddy was beside their bed. Twice I've been shot at. I've heard this week of three people who, who, who plan to kill me. I mean, not three people going together, three different people who differ, with three different statements. But I couldn't have taken my stand, and I wouldn't be taking my stand now. If back yonder years ago, when I was a young preacher, the Southern Baptist Convention said, you bow down and worship, worship our cooperative program, God, or you can't be a Southern Baptist. And I said, take your God, and I'll just trot on my own way. They said, you support our wicked school. Well, they didn't say wicked. I said wicked. <laughs> I went to two of them. I know. <laughs> if I hadn't have taken my stand then, <clears throat> I wouldn't have taken my stand here. And there wouldn't be any Howells Anderson College having Baptist schools out there. But I would have taken my stand then <coughs> if I hadn't taken my stand as a kid preacher. And three deacons got together and tried to run my pulpit. Now, boy, you you got you you be busier than a, than a one-armed paper hanger with a seven-year itch if you try to run my pulpit. You'll think you're the porcupine convention. I think I'll just do my little act again. I'm in the mood. All this. Over here, starting right down here. 
<laughs> Starting right there, and all this, 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 and all of 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 that, and all of that, and all of this is mine. My property. But I couldn't have taken the stand unless I'd have said to those three deacons who said to me, one of them said, I own more property in this neighborhood than anybody owns and more than half the people in this church work for me. And I said, look carefully. You're looking at one that's not going to work for you. And a professional wrestler who was one of the deacons looked at me and said, I'll see to it myself. You won't walk in that pulpit Sunday morning. And I said, bless God, if the Holy Spirit leads me to walk in that pulpit Sunday morning, it'll take more than a hundred like you to keep me out of that pulpit. Seven weeks I didn't get paid. Bought me a lawnmower. <coughs> Went up down the streets, pastor of a neighborhood church. Went up down the street with a little $19.95 push lawnmower. No, no motor on it. No electric lawnmower. <coughs> and mowed yards for a dollar a yard. Fine. Because I took the stand. But I wouldn't have taken the stand then. I hadn't gotten used to it back down to when I was a young man. When I pitched on the Dallas Railway and Terminal Company softball team. And I was on the pitcher they had. We played for the state championship game. And they told me it was going to be on a Sunday night. And my mama taught me and my preacher taught me it was wrong to play ball on Sunday. And it was right to go to church. So, <laughs> I, went, I told the manager of the team... He was a deacon in our church. And he said, Jack, it's only one Sunday night. It's the only picture we got. And I said, Doc, I can't do it. And by the way, you wait till you pitch on the championship team sometime. And this championship game's coming up. You wait till it's on Wednesday night or Sunday night. <laughs> and, and, and you have that team sitting out in front of the church begging you to come and pitch and saying the only chance we've got is if you come and pitch and then cussing you because you didn't do it. You, you try that sometime. Hey, some of you little punks can't even say no to marijuana. You talk about, you're not a man, you're a mouse. You might have biceps that make Charles Atlas have an inferiority complex. But you're a mouse. You may score 35 points a game all season long, but you're a mouse. I'll tell you what manhood is. Manhood is saying, I believe in right, and I'll die before I'll do wrong. That's what manhood is. I'm saying, I wouldn't have taken my stand 24 years ago if I hadn't have taken my stand when my convention said, you support our wicked colleges to get out. And I wouldn't have taken my stand then. If I hadn't taken a stand in a little country church down there when the deacon said, you'll do what we say. They don't make the deacon a mess of my preaching. They haven't made yet. But I wouldn't have taken a stand then. If I hadn't taken a stand when I was a young man pitching softball for the Dallas Railway Company team. But I wouldn't have taken a stand then. If I hadn't taken a stand on senior night. W.H. Adamson High School. 2,000 students in the big old Adamson High School. No Cliff, Texas. Senior day on a Sunday. Went to Cliff Temple Baptist Church to have a uh, baccalaureate service that morning. <laughs> and then 
Uh, that afternoon, open house to Mary and Margaret Mayer's house, and then night was a senior day. <laughs> Every kid in our class knew what to do on senior day. That was the get drunk night. That was the night when kids had never taken a drink drank. Brother, I'll guarantee you, if I ever find a Hammond Baptist High School student that after I pass the diploma out to him if I ever find him going out and drinking some liquor on graduation night, if I can get in your house, I'll get your diploma and I'll tear it to shreds. So what right do you have to do that? I don't have any right. I just want to do it. Then you folks don't like his preaching, meet me in the alley after the service. You new sailors don't like it, meet me in the alley after the service. I'm not there in five minutes. Go ahead without me. I can't be a good Christian. I'm in the Navy. Won't you buy you a purse? A lace undershirt. I can't be a good Christian. I'm in the Navy. I just can't be a good Christian. I want to get a discharge, honorable discharge. How about an honorable service? Well, I just can't be a good Christian. I'm in business. Richard Newton went with me. He had his girlfriend, B. Tate. I went to Peggy Render. She was May Festival queen. We had a senior date together. We went to Baccalaureate service, Cliff Temple Baptist Church. Went out to eat a bite. Went to open house at Mary and Margaret Mayer's house. And about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Richard pulled over the side of the road and he said, Jack, he said, what you want to do tonight? I said, go to church. Of course, it's Sunday. He said, oh, come on, Jack, you've got to be kidding. Sunday? He said, it's senior day. <laughs> it only comes once a lifetime. We ought to go to some nightclub. I said, man, you've got to be kidding. Your daddy's a deacon in the church. You've got to be kidding, Richard. I can't believe it. And his date said, oh, come on, Jack, don't spoil the party for all of us. I'd spoil every drinking party I could in America if I could. And Peggy Render said to me, well, what kind of date did I draw? I said, you do a church-going date, and you've been a church-going girl, and you go to the same church I go to, and you go on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you know we ought to be in church tonight, Peggy. And Richard said, okay, if we won't go to a, to a nightclub, let's go to a, a movie. And I said, man, this is church night, not movie night, Sunday. <clears throat> Peggy said, let's take him home. Let's take him home. Now, you wait till you work a lifetime <coughs> to graduate. And you're on your senior day date. And they take you home and laugh at you. You just wait. They took me home and laughed at me. And they went to the movie. And I went to church. I called Mrs. Render and said, I'm Mrs. Jack Hyams. I'm no longer responsible for your daughter. She wanted to go to a movie tonight or a nightclub. And I wanted to go to church. And I'm going to church and they're going to a movie. And the three of them went to a movie, and I went to church. For 39 years, 38 years, Richard's been in the movie business. For 38 years I've been in the church business. We didn't know it that night. We chose our last vocation. We didn't know it. I was out at, I didn't see Brother Rasmussen until about the middle of this sermon. I was out at your church years ago, Brother Rasmussen. You handed me a little note and said, call Richard Newton. I hadn't seen him in 17 years. My heart began to beat with joy. Richard and I took 40 classes in high school. We took 39 side by side with each other. Best friend I had in school. 
We were the two closest friends of any two boys in all the school. We lived two miles apart every other morning. <clears throat> I'd ride my bicycle to his house, would catch the bus at his uh, three, three, two houses from his house, <clears throat> and go to school every other morning. He'd ride to my house, would go two blocks and catch the bus from my house on <clears throat> Marcellus and Hobson. We rode to school on the same bus side by side every day, back home every day. I pitched on our baseball team. He played second base. I played forward on the basketball team. With the YMCA basketball team, he played guard. When I got through preaching, I went back to my room, called him on the phone. I said, hey, he, I called him Little Newt, and he called me Hopeless Hounds. I said, Little Newt, how you doing? Man, he said, fine, Hopeless, how you doing? I said, man, we got to get together. He, I said, he said, okay, let's go out to eat lunch tomorrow. And I said, you got yourself a deal. And I, I borrowed an old car from Brother Rasmussen, 1916 Essex. I drove down to Panya Canyon Road till I got just the other side of that highway that takes me to the airport every year. And just the other side, there's a, there's a little, little, there's a big uh, drugstore there. And I drove, I rode that car to that parking lot. And Richard came up in a Cadillac. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it, it, it was unreal. He said, get in. He looked at me in that car. He said, how you been doing, Jack? I said, better than it looks. <laughs> I said, my friends are just poor. We went to a nice restaurant. He said, what you been doing? I said, been preaching. What you been doing? I said, been making a lot of movies. I said, I said how? he said, well, how you been doing? I said, fine. How you been doing? Fine. We sat there, couldn't think of anything to talk about. And finally, before we ate, he said, Jack, we haven't got anything in common. I said, let's just go back home, Richard. We... I haven't got anything to say. He took me back down to that drugstore and let me out. And I took, rode the car back to the room. And I got up on the, on the bed and took off my shoes. And I laughed and cried. Cried because I missed my friend. And laughed because I went to church. There wouldn't be any house Anderson College tonight if I'd gone to the tavern that, the night club that night. You don't understand it. I took my stand here. I wouldn't have taken my stand here if I hadn't have gotten in the habit of it when I was in Texas. And I wouldn't have taken my stand there if I hadn't have gotten in the habit of it when the D.C. Deacon said, We'll boss you. And I wouldn't have taken my stand there if I had pitched a softball game that night. And I wouldn't have taken my stand there if I had gone to the movie. I wouldn't have taken my stand there if when I was in junior high school, elected president of the senior class, Mrs. Kerr walked up and said, Jack, you're the president of the senior class. It's been the custom of Bowdoin Story Junior High School, big junior high school, <coughs> all these years at the, at the senior dance. And by the way, <coughs> in those days, junior high school was sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. And she said, Jack, you, you and, and Del Lou Sutton, the secretary of the senior class, <coughs> are going to have to lead the conga line and dance. You go out by yourself and dance alone. To start off the dance, I said, Mrs. Kerr, I don't want to. She said, well, can't you dance? I said, no, ma'am, I can't dance. She was activities director of our high school. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> she said, well, Jack, I'll teach you how to dance. And that middle-aged woman grabbed me and started hugging me. If I'm going to hug, I want to choose. She wasn't my type. She started hugging me. Oh, come on, Jack, come on. Let me teach you. <laughs> I said, Mrs. Kerr. I don't want to learn to dance. 
She said, well, well, I don't care if you want to or not. <clears throat> she said, you got to because your president's in your class and you're supposed, you and Del Lou are supposed to dance out there on the gymnasium by yourself to open the senior dance officially. And I said, Miss Kerr, I've been trying to avoid saying this, but I may as well say it. I don't believe Jesus wants me to dance. And boy, she dropped me like a paratrooper dropped a sailor. <laughs> Now, you listen to me. I've been all the way through it. All the way through it. And don't you tell me you can't be a good Christian in junior high school. I know better. And don't you tell me you can't be a good Christian in Hammond Baptist High School. I know better. And don't you tell me you can't be a good Christian in Munster High School or Hammond High. I know better. Don't think you ought to go there. <laughs> but, uh, but if you had to, you can be a good Christian. And don't you tell me you can't be a good Christian in the, in the service. I know better. One of these days, kids and dear friends, you're not just all of a sudden going to stand. You're going to do when you're older what you do when you're younger. If you can't stand in school, you wait till the ministerial association gets after you. You wait till you get in the paratroopers. And you pitch on the post, the Army Post softball team. And you win the championship. And after it's over, oh, they take you to the officer's quarters. And they serve their liquor. And I say, I'm sorry I don't drink. And they say, we didn't think you would, but you're going to tonight. And Colonel Holman said, I order you to drink. And I said, Colonel Holman, you don't have the power. I don't care how much power Colonel has. You don't have the power to order me to drink. He said, you're going to disregard my orders? I said, I'm disobeying your orders. And the commander of our entire battalion said, I command you to drink. I said, command away. I'm not going to drink. He said, I am the highest order on this camp. I said, that's as far as you know. I said, my mama's higher than you are. As far as you know. And I said, buddy, if you think you can make me a drink, and if you think you're going to take this all away, I said, let's just try the court-martial and see who wins. They took me down on the floor of the officer's quarters and said, you're going to drink before we leave, Jack. And I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm 57 years old. But I shave a man. And I go to a barber shop, not a beauty shop, to get my hair done. What do you 17-year-old boy shave? You can't even say no to an 85-pound little girl. I mean, boy, I took a stand against the United States paratroopers. You can't take a stand against Chanel number 5. Aren't you proud of yourself? You little penny ante weakling. You little sissy, puny weakling. Stand up! Stand up! For Jesus! These soldiers of the cross lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory his army shed a lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Ye that are men now serve him against unnumbered foes. Been preaching a long time. Sometimes I'm not what I ought to be, and sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes I get a little peeved at myself because I don't do all the things I want to do. But brother, 
if tonight you hear that Brother Hiles dropped dead, <laughs> they're going to get a man in heaven. And if I get to live till tomorrow morning, when I look in the mirror, this 